welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you because of Yahweh your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to Yahweh that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for Yahweh, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. This chapter is a chapter of restoration, that God is going to restore not only us, but also even his creation. This is a a look to paradise for us. And God is the one who is the source of these good things. So verse 1, he invites us four times to come. We get a fifth invitation down in verse 3. Come, 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 come. Everyone who thirsts. That's an easy question to ask your children. Who who gets thirsty? Everyone gets thirsty. But a little more specifically, we can connect this to Matthew chapter 5 to verse 6, as Jesus talks about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are blessed, according to the word of Christ. Why? Well, we're being invited to come into the kingdom. How do we come into the kingdom? We come into the kingdom through water, through baptism. The connection there, uh, easy to make for us. This is also John chapter 4, as Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman at the well and says that he can give her living water and she'll never thirst again. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Why can they buy without money? Because it's God's provision. He gives it to them freely. Um, This is kind of a merchant picture that he is a seller of goods and they are coming to buy. Why do they not have to pay money to the merchant? Because the merchant, the servant, Jesus, has already paid the price. It goes back to 
chapter 53 to the servant song that we discussed a couple of days ago. Jesus has paid the price already. So we just get to enjoy the fruit or the wine or the milk as this chapter actually mentions those things. The staples are, are ours in Christ, God's provision. Now, as we get into verse two, this bread, uh, the, uh, buying things that are not bread, this gets us into thinking about John 6, the Lord's Supper, uh, that Jesus is the bread of life. Why do we spend our time? Why do we put our energies into things in this world that are not lasting, that do not endure? And so this then gets quickly compared with that which just doesn't satisfy. It quickly compares with the rest of verse 2 to listening to God, eating what is good. So God's word, which we're going to see again over in verse 11, which does, does, what, it does what God has it to accomplish fulfills his purpose for it. That's the contrast. God's word is the very bread of life. It is the rich food that we should be delighting ourselves in. Read, mark, and inwardly digest the word of God, as Lutherans so love to say. We're called to come to God that our soul may live, both body and soul. More than we are alive even now. We think of this as life. This is all we know is uh, of being alive. But it's going to be even yet so much better, so much greater than what we know now. As it will be a life without sin and a life without death. As we look um, there, uh, the promise of an everlasting covenant. Based on God's sure love for his servant David, this then becomes a pointing us to the Christ. Um, and this, this covenant with you is plural, and it expands, just as we saw that expansion in chapter 54, that they were going to need to expand the tent, because all the peoples are coming in. People are coming to God. They're coming to faith. They're hearing this word. They're believing because of people with beautiful feet who are bringing the good news to them. So we see it here. Verse 5, you shall call a nation that you do not know. That's the church's mission. That's what we do. We share the word of God with others. We tell them to come and we tell them to partake of the rich food. And they run to us to receive this rich food that is Christ's body, blood. We can ask with verse 4 how David was a witness. How was Jesus a witness? As God said, behold, I made him a witness to the people. So David, in his military conquests, spoke of God being the one who was doing the, the fighting, spoke of God as his champion, uh, the one who fought for him. That was a witness to the other nations. And so now Jesus, Jesus is a witness. He speaks to the peoples of this world, the things that God would have him speak. He speaks to them about the things that God has done for them, including what he was about to do for them. And now we as the church continue that mission of Jesus by sharing that good news. Verse 5 continues, the, the, because of Yahweh your God, who has glorified you, and also the Holy One of Israel. So now we get a distinction there slightly. Uh, one God, three persons. This Holy One of Israel now is Jesus. It's the seed of Abraham, the son of David, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. All these different phrases that we've been seeing uh, throughout the Old Testament. Verse 6 uh, seek the Lord, will, seek Yahweh while he may be found as a reference to Judgment Day. There is yet time 
for people to hear of Christ and believe, to repent. That time does not last forever. So verse 7 then gets into that conversation of repentance. Let the wicked forsake his way, let him return. So return, turn, or repent. Uh, the Hebrew word is shuv. We turn away from something. We turn to something. So we turn away from our wickedness. We turn away from our evil thoughts, and we turn instead to God. Why? So that he may have compassion on us, for he abundantly pardons. How wonderful is that? How, what kind of good news is that? I need abundant pardon. I, I sin daily. I sin against the Lord. I rebel against my Creator. But he abundantly pardons me. So we can talk about absolution, confession and absolution, which happens in church. It also can happen privately with a pastor. I have, I have both received individual confession and absolution, and I've provided it for others as well. This is a wonderful gift in the church. Uh, ask your pastor for it if you are feeling guilty um, other than Sunday morning, which I'm pretty sure most of us do. So this, these are good things. The Lord forgives. It is contrasted in verse 8 and 9. God's ways are higher than our ways. They're, they're not our ways, which is good because we are not very good at forgiveness, are we? We look at the world around us today, and it's clear the world does not seek forgiveness. The world is not looking for reconciliation. The world wants revenge. The world wants reparations. The world does not look for grace. It doesn't look for forgiveness. And so we rejoice that God gives forgiveness to us, and he is willing to give forgiveness. He has given forgiveness to all people through what Jesus has done on the cross. In verse 10 God provides for all, gives rain, he gives snow. They do what they are sent to do, that is to care for creation. So they fulfill their purpose. Now, also, his word will keep its purpose. God has sent his word. He has sent law and gospel into his creation for a purpose. And it will do what he has sent it to do. So we can talk about the word as John chapter 1 does, as being Jesus. So you think of what Jesus was sent to accomplish. Well, he was sent to die on the cross to forgive our sins and reconcile us to God. And that's precisely what he did. He died on the cross on Good Friday. He rose again to give us new life, and we are blessed by it. Or you can talk about this again, as I mentioned, as law and gospel. That Jesus uh, preached both the law and the gospel. That the purpose of God's word sometimes is to bring about repentance. Sometimes is to bring us to salvation. So the law crushes us. It shows us our sin. It shows us our need for a savior. The gospel forgives us, cleanses us of that guilt, brings us into the, the, the arms of God in paradise. So the purposes of God's word would give us faith, repentance, and salvation. And God's word does what he sent it to do. Verse 12, the captives return home. They go out in peace, they're led forth in peace. Uh, they go out in joy, they're led forth in peace. So the people of Judah got to return again to Babylon, from Babylon to Judah in 537. And now we think of this also with Christ, that we go out in peace. We go out in joy, we go forth in peace, as Christ has led us. All of creation rejoices at God's salvation. 
verse 13 uh, points us to Genesis 3.18, to the punishment of man, where weeds, thorns, thistles crop up and make life difficult. God is restoring the earth. Just like he did for the, just like he created the Garden of Eden in the first place, so now this earth is being restored as he had once made it to be. Verse 13 still, it shall make a name for Yahweh. What is the it? It is the work of God, the word of God, going out and accomplishing his purpose. God's word is making a name for him, it is bringing glory to the Lord. And so we can talk about the names of God, Yahweh, from Exodus chapter 3, uh, which means he is. So when we say Yahweh, it is a confession of our faith in God. Um, but that name disappears in the New Testament because in Matthew 1, we're given the new name by which we are to think of God, to call God, which is Jesus, which means he saves. And the angel Gabriel told Joseph, you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the name of God itself, God's word, points us to his name, which points us to faith in him. And it's an everlasting sign, a constant reminder to us that cannot be cut off. So you get a gardening reference there. Uh, you cut out bad plants, you throw them away. Jesus speaks that way several times in the Gospels. Instead, we will be planted and we will flourish in God's paradise, in the place that he is preparing for us.